Welcome to Piecemeal, a podcast hosted by the Emily Program and Veritas Collaborative. Piecemeal covers topics related to eating disorders, body image, and how society may influence our thinking. Please use your discretion when listening and speak with a therapist as needed. I'm your host, Jillian Lambert. Today, we are thrilled to welcome one of our own, Stacey Brown, to talk about the eating disorder care team and specifically the role of nurses. Stacy serves as the Vice President of Nursing here at Aconto Health, the parent company of the Emily Program and Veritas Collaborative. Stacy practiced as intensive care, critical care nurse, ER nurse, and cardiac cath lab nurse for several years prior to working in the field of mental health when I had the great honor to meet her. Since transitioning her nursing care into the world of eating disorders in 2007, Stacy has worked extensively in the areas of utilization review management, nursing administration, and consulting. She is passionate about the work she does and loves helping nursing teams learn how to develop strong clinical and critical thinking skills that are based on best and safe practices. Outside of work, Stacey loves to golf, travel, play the piano and organ, spend time with her very large family, and relax with her husband and a good movie. Stacey, thank you so much for making time to chat today. We're so excited to have you. You bet. And I will just say, tonight is probably going to be a nice stay in and movie night with the hubby. Excellent. So let's start with trying to get a better understanding of the role of nursing and eating disorder care. So to, to really think through that, we need to see eating disorders as the complex illnesses they are, right? They're, they have medical components, they have mental health components, they are a mental health diagnosis, they have these serious medical components. They're certainly not a choice, they're not a matter of willpower, but there are serious mental illnesses that come with this whole set of consequences. So give us a sense of the impact of these illnesses on the body. So I will start by just laying the groundwork that going through nursing school, never, not in one lecture, did I ever hear uh, one of the instructors or professors talk about eating disorders. So I will acknowledge I was completely ignorant about the effects of eating disorders on the body as a nurse going into it. And it wasn't until I was in the ICU, I remember my first patient that I had who suffered from anorexia, went into cardiac arrest while at church in a religion that didn't believe in medical intervention. And so no one did anything until several minutes later, her husband panicked and initiated CPR. And she came to me, as you can imagine, in a, in a very, very compromised state at that point. Fast forward several years, I get another patient, type 1 diabetic, comes to me in diabetic ketoacidosis with blood sugars up in the 500 range. And this was a, a patient who had not been administering their insulin. I had no context for it. I had no idea why we learned that this was a client that struggles with anorexia as well and just hadn't bolstered their, their insulin. What I can tell you is the effects that we were treating were so whole body. I felt a little ill-prepared, like I haven't even learned about this disorder. And here I am treating these patients that come to me. And a lot of them, like the one that has the blood sugars in the 500s, every bit as sick as any other patient that I'd had in the ICU. Eating disorders impact every system in the body. There's a theory in medicine called the Monroe-Kelly hypothesis, which states that anything that impacts one part impacts the whole. And we certainly see that 
with eating disorders. And a lot of times patients don't even realize that this is like the second deadliest mental illness. And it's both psychological and it's physical. And if it's impacting one part of the body, it's impacting the body as, as a whole. I think that's such a great setting to think about this, that it is, you know, sometimes we oversimplify as a culture, we oversimplify eating disorders or we don't quite understand all that eating disorders involve and all the help they need, right? All the pieces that go into treatment. So let's start with what do nurses do? What do nurses, how do nurses help? to ensure that patients get the care they need. And we have medical care piece and the psychiatric care piece. So let's start with the medical care piece. Like what are some specific ways, you know, in our programs or in other programs around the, the country that nurses help treat the physical consequences of eating disorders? So different levels of care have different nursing services. In our inpatient and residential levels of care, we do provide a daily nursing assessment and we're assessing vitals. We're helping to monitor weights so we know if some of the symptoms of refeeding can manifest in different weight fluctuations. So we watch that closely to make sure that as they are having to re-eat, that we're able to do it safely. We monitor labs, lots of lab abnormalities that we see with every different kind of eating disorder. So we monitor labs and work with the medical providers as needed to ensure that we've got the orders that we need to be able to help them stay safe. We monitor their vital signs every day. Sometimes an inpatient, they'll get it more than that. In our outpatient setting, typically it's once a week that we're monitoring those vitals and the weights and even the labs. We also do EKGs as needed. Those are less frequent in the partial level of programming because we anticipate that by the time somebody is in partial or PHP, that they are a bit more medically stable than somebody who's needing residential or inpatient level of support. In our residential and inpatient level of support, we also manage the medication for clients. And then we work with them so that by the time they're stepping down to PHP, they have a better sense of how to manage their own medication. There are times, especially in the inpatient level of care, where the dietitians will order additional supplemental feeds that might be needed, and the nurses are instrumental in, in making sure those are implemented. Thinking about all those medical systems, all the systems of the body that could be impacted, that makes sense. And of course, it doesn't stop there, right? There's all this emotional support role the psychological aspects of the eating disorder. So what part do the nurses play in the emotional support of people with eating disorders in treatment? You know, it's a really good question. I love to go to schools every year and I talked at nursing classes and I asked them how many of them plan to go into mental health. And typically out of a class of maybe 50 to 60 students, you might you might have four or five who raise their hand saying that they want to go into mental health. And I always just tell them, I have news for you. Every single one of you is going to be going into mental health nursing. It doesn't even matter what area of nursing you go into. For instance, if you are an ER nurse, right? I worked in the ER for a long time. If you are an ER nurse and you've got a patient that comes to you that was in a trauma accident. Well, guess what? You are going to be doing some mental health nursing with that family who is trying to wrap their head around this trauma that just happened. 
if you go into labor and delivery. At the very least, you are going to be doing some mental health nursing with a woman who is in labor and whose body has really gone into fight or flight mode. At the very worst, you might be doing mental health nursing with a couple who just had a fetal demise or, you know, stillborn child or some trauma that happened during birth. It really does not matter what area of nursing you go into. It is so crucial that as nurses, we develop our ability to practice mental health nursing skills, which include listening, understanding, being validating, being compassionate. Sometimes I think we are a little bit judgmental. And you hear this in our society. People say, just eat, as though it were that easy for somebody with an eating disorder. And we have to recognize that it's not that easy, but there are all sorts of very difficult components that are at play with that. So one of the best things we can do is to not be judgmental, not impose our own experience onto those patients. Having said that, we do provide a lot of education. We partner with therapists and dietitians and psychiatric providers and mental and uh, medical providers. We work together and provide education for the clients as needed. I will say it is very important in our setting, and I would say in any hospital setting or any setting where nurses are, we learn to function within the scope of our practice. And in our setting, one of the most important things that we learn to do is to learn how to validate, but then also redirect the client back to the appropriate caregiver. It's not my role to be their therapist. It's not my role to overstep and try to be their dietitian. My role is to be their nurse, to address their medical needs, and then to be validating and listening and compassionate, but also know when to redirect back to other care providers. I think that's a great point about the, the importance of the multidisciplinary collaborative team, because everybody sees things and is presented with things that aren't necessarily in their area. And you wouldn't, as a nurse or a dietitian or a therapist, say like, I'm sorry, that's not in my area. I can't talk to you about that. You would work to get that need met by the therapist, the dietitian, whoever else it is, as quickly as you could. You'd move to have that need met by the other provider on the team. Talk a little bit more about the power of collaboration and how do nurses collaborate with therapists and dietitians and, and other members of the care team? I, I think that happens a lot in lots of different ways. Any examples of how that works in action? I love Akanto programs because one of the best things that we do is we function as a multidisciplinary team. And each person on the team is pretty vital. You know, your, your kidneys aren't more important than your heart. You need them both. And therapists aren't more important than the dietitians or than the nurses. We need them all working together. And as we meet as a treatment team, we collaborate as a team about what are the needs, what are the difficult struggles that particular client is having and how can we best support them? We talk with medical providers. Are there medical complications that we need to pay attention to as we try to work on their meal planning together? Do we have a client who's having difficulty tolerating certain medications that started and do we need to revamp? Or did they just start a new medication and they're experiencing some side effects? And we need to contribute and say, hey, they just started this new medication and we're noticing that every day they're really struggling with XYZ side effect. 
So maybe we need to look at a different medication. So there's just a tremendous amount. When the team is functioning optimally, there is a great deal of collaboration between all disciplines, including the nursing. Yeah, it sounds like a beautiful system of sort of observing, noticing, sharing information across to really help uh, have the client and family feel like they really have a full experience of care, which makes me think about other part of the care team really is the family, particularly for younger clients and, and patients, but for everybody. How do we or how can we involve families in the care we provide from your perspective? Mm, that's a great question. You know, when you stop and you think about it, really most of us are only as strong as our support system. And that can look different for everybody. It doesn't have to be family. For many people, it will be. For some people, you might not have great connections with your family, but do you have friend support system? A lot of people find different strengths as they participate in different support groups. We really try to involve family as much as we can. And we try to be very respectful of clients and what it is that they're wanting. And we recognize that there are different strained relationships that we have to sometimes bear in mind. We try to be very respectful of that. But when possible, we try to keep the family or at least the parents very well informed or spouse, whoever has agreed to be the emotional support for that client. We try to keep them very well aware of what's happening. A lot of sites will actually try to do family therapy. We recognize there have been a lot of, a lot of pieces that have been a bit broken when clients are really in the thick of their eating disorders and struggling. And so the family might need some additional support. So we provide education on that. We provide education on new medications that we're starting them on, why we are running particular lab sets. This lab's been abnormal, and here are some of the complications that can come from it. So just a lot of education to the families, because we recognize they need it. If they're really going to be a great support, they need to have good education as well about eating disorders. Absolutely. It makes a ton of sense that we need to wrap in the whole support system to the degree we can, and that that takes time and takes a lot of the skills you highlighted earlier about listening and observing and collaborating and all of those pieces. As the field advances, as you think about this sort of future of nursing and eating disorders, how do we make sure that it's evidence-based, it's built on best practice? How do we share that information and make sure we're able to contribute to it, the next generation of nurses that will come into eating disorder care? Well, I think it really ties into what I was speaking of earlier, that right now across the country, really, we have a deficit as a country in our responsibility of educating health providers about eating disorders. I was so excited this morning. I talked with a school in Washington who we've made a connection and I'm going to be starting to talk to the nursing classes at, the, at that school every semester. Every semester, they want me to come and let's talk about eating disorders. So that is one of the best things that we do is get into the schools where we have healthcare providers coming up through the ranks and let's help educate them. I think another good thing that we do is when clients, when we see patients that have to go into the hospitals or the ER, and that does happen. We frequently will have to transfer patients at a higher level of care to the ER for stabilization. When we do and we're handing off report 
use those opportunities. If I'm giving report to the ER nurse, I could be doing some education in that moment. It doesn't have to be long and it doesn't have to be complex, but certainly helping people in other fields have some education about eating disorders is one of the best things that we can do. And then we also work with new nurses that are coming in and they haven't had any experience. We try to provide a really good onboarding experience for them so that they can start understanding, okay, I've got to start approaching things that we do in our society, right? We talk about weight. We say something is fat. We say there are bad foods and good foods, all these things that society does. And we have to help the nurses coming through our system learn a different way of thinking and approaching eating disorders and general health. So many pieces to it. I think that illustrates really well the developing students and and developing early career and later career and and communication and helping people to really think a little differently when they are working with somebody with an eating disorder. We always think about the ways we're encouraging people to think differently about food, about weight, about their bodies, you know, aren't really just helpful for people with eating disorders. We actually think they're helpful for everybody. Uh, And so I, I love what you're saying about educating nurses as we exchange care of patients or as we're bringing new folks into the organization, how do we help ourselves to really challenge what society tells us? It takes a little bit of a a set shift. It takes a lot of critical thinking skills. And I'm curious about your thoughts about helping people develop, particularly nurses develop those critical thinking skills and strong clinical skills. I know that that's something you're particularly passionate about is helping others develop those skills. Tell us a little bit more about like, why does that light you up? Why is that exciting to you? What keeps you passionate about your work? I'm just going to pause and go back to the example of when I go and I do these lectures for nursing classes. I also will ask the classes, how many of them know someone with an eating disorder? And out of, again, a class of 50 to 60, on the average, a little bit higher than those who want to go into mental health, but you probably still have less than half of the people in the class who raise their hand. And I tell them, those of you who did not raise your hand, know someone with an eating disorder, you just don't know that you know them. It's that prevalent. It's that common. And so when I see any population that is being underserved, and I I feel passionately about this in a lot of different realms, but really that is where we're at with eating disorder patients as a country. For a long time, practitioners wanted to brush people that had mental illness, shift them on to somebody else, brush it under the rug, not address it. You remember Karen Carpenter. Karen Carpenter, beautiful singer, and she struggled terribly with anorexia. And when she died, that was not the cause that was listed on her death certificate. It was cardiac arrest. Yes, the cardiac arrest happened as a result of her eating disorder. So we didn't even acknowledge it in this country for many, many decades. And I know you were very instrumental in helping Mental Health Parity Act get passed. And it was just a game changer for us. So I still think even though the Mental Health Parity Act passed, which forced insurance companies to start taking people with mental health, taking that responsibility to cover them as seriously as they do people that have medical illness, 
And, you know, I worked in utilization review for a long time and I was early on and I was dealing with that fight. Boy, that was a struggle. But we have fought it tooth and nail as a country to really provide effective treatment and coverage for people who have mental illness and eating disorders. And that is one of the things that drives me. That is not fair. That is not right. And I will stand up and I will advocate for people who are not being treated appropriately. That's what drives my passion. That's fantastic. That's awesome. We've been able to advocate with each other on, on Capitol Hill to help people in policymaking seats understand a little bit more about this. I have a story for you, Stacey. I don't know if I've actually told you this, that when I was sick with an eating disorder and, and had kind of, let's just call it subpar treatment back at a time when nobody really knew what eating disorders were, the most powerful support I got early on in my eating disorder care was from a nurse. It was a nurse named Kathleen. I don't know where Kathleen is now. Kathleen, I hope you're doing great. I saw her every week. She did all the nursing stuff that I hated because I hated having all the vitals and all that. Just hated all that stuff, right? She was super helpful. But one of the things that she said to me was most impactful, and I can still hear her voice when I was talking about just how I felt and how I was having a hard time with a million things. And she said, it's really tough to just have to sit with emotions, isn't it? And I said, yeah, I don't like that. And she said, I think sometimes you just have to sit with them. And it sounds so simple, right? And I was, I remember hearing it thinking, well, I don't like that. What am I supposed to do with that? And then over the course of my treatment, I learned a, a lot of skills about how to better support myself and managing my experience in the world and all sorts of other things. But this simple comment that really was, you know, just part of probably her day-to-day -day work with me, nothing profound for her was really profound for me. And I remember it decades and decades later, and the presence of just her peaceful, calm presence in that room, in that moment, in an exam room, when I was feeling super awkward and uncomfortable, just to be so with me and be so, as you were saying earlier, non-judgmental, very compassionate, and just very peaceful and calm. That experience for me was so profound. And I, of course, see that in you and your capacity as a nurse and those nurses that you each and that you mentor and that we help to train. So thank you for that. And thank you for whoever trained Kathleen or didn't train Kathleen, whoever helped her to know just to be with somebody, because sometimes we just have to sit with our emotions. And as clinicians, we just have to sit with our clients. Thank you for sharing it. In all the years I've known you, you really have not ever told me that. And I have not known that. And that is a beautiful story. And it strikes me as I'm listening to you, it, that there's a play on words there and there's something figurative and something literal, meaning we all have to learn sometimes to sit with emotions. And that's one of the things that is very difficult is that there are people who I feel distressed. I don't know how to sit with it and their world kind of shuts down, right? And so there is something in learning how to experience an emotion without it having to completely derail your life. At the same time, the phrase, sometimes you just need to sit with it. It makes me think about, I'm gonna be a little emotional here for a minute. It makes me think about times when I've had patients who just received a terminal illness or who are just struggling so badly. And as nurses, we wanna fix. 
one of the things we love about nursing is, man, I remember I got out of nursing school and I just felt like, yes, I have got skills. I can save the world. And yeah, I'm a fixer. Let's do it. Let's fix it. And sometimes we can't fix. I remember the very first patient in my ICU who passed away and it wasn't because of anything that I did, but I do remember feeling like, but why? Like these skills, I was supposed to be able to save every single patient, right? Sometimes we don't fix it. Sometimes what they need is you just received a really difficult diagnosis. You just had a really difficult session. You just uh, experienced, you know, something really difficult. And sometimes what I need as a nurse is just to sit with you. I don't have to talk. I don't have to fix it. Just sit with you. There's something really beautiful about the concept of let's just be, be individual or let me just be there for you. Absolutely. And we know that those relationships are so important in the healing process. Just being there for somebody is so important, which I think is so much of the role of a lot of folks in eating disorder care, but particularly I think the nurses who are there a lot and manage a lot of the complicated pieces have a lot of opportunity to just sit with people and be there with them. Is there anything else you'd say to new or not so new nurses who might wanna get into the eating disorders field or eating disorder nurses that are in the field? What would you say to those folks about the gifts they have to give as a nurse? I think that there are a lot of healthcare professionals who go into a field, right? They go into a field of interest, sometimes motivated by personal experience. And all of a sudden they really develop a real passion about that, right? We have a, we have a lot of people in a conto who have had eating disorders. You mentioned it yourself. And I'm guessing that for you, that was one of your strong drivers in really wanting to be an excellent dietitian of learning how to really provide excellent care. And probably for you, care that you didn't get because that was just not something that they had. So I think that that personal experience often is what drives us and that includes nurses. At the same time, I think it is very important in any area of nursing and eating disorders are no different. It's very important that we recognize I can't take my personal experience and transfer it onto you. If you're my patient and you're talking about what you're experiencing, it's really not even appropriate for me in that moment to say, oh, let me tell you about my experience and turn it back to me. So I would say to nurses who think that they might have an interest in working in mental health or eating disorders, if it's your personal experience with something that is driving your passion, awesome. Embrace it and let it take you because that passion is going to take you a long way. And remember to separate yourself enough so that you are letting the client or the patient have their experience, not your experience. We don't want them living your experience. We want them having their own experience. My personal experience is going to help me know how to be a better support for them, but it's letting them have their own journey. So beautifully said, absolutely. 
And I'm going to ask you one one last question that we ask a lot of folks who've experienced an eating disorder, but I want you to answer it from me sort of with your nursing perspective on a lot of people hear podcasts like this, stories about eating disorder treatment, stories about recovery, and they think, that's great. That's that's terrific. That's all fine and well. Like, you know, maybe I'd get better if I had a nurse like Stacy, or maybe I'd get better if I did that. But that's just really not for me. Like you guys are talking about some interesting things, but I, I just don't think I'm going to be able to get better. I know you've talked to that person in an exam room or in a treatment room somewhere. What would you say to that person listening right now thinking that? I would say, and it sounds so simple. I would say it's one day at a time. Some days it's one hour at a time. You don't have to see the whole big picture. You don't have to know what you're going to be doing a year from now. That's too much to think about right now, right here in this moment. Right now, when you are at this meal and you are sitting there struggling to get through one bite at a time, don't think about the end. It's just one bite at a time. It's one session at a time, just one, one day at a time. And before you know it, you get to the point and you look back and you're, oh my word, I'm in a completely different place than I was a year ago. Look at you. Look at where you are right now, Jillian, in your life. Look at the things that you've accomplished. And I'm guessing that when you were right in the thick of your eating disorder, you probably would never have even fathomed that this is where you'd be. So don't try to see the end from the beginning. Just commit to yourself. I, I'm just going to get through this meal. I'm just going to get through this hour. I'm just going to get through this day. Break it down in small pieces because small pieces are a lot more doable for most of us in most situations. That's beautiful. Oh, Stacey, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It was just such a pleasure. It was my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. You're welcome. If you enjoyed today's episode of Piecemeal, please subscribe, rate, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Learn about us at emilyprogram.com and veritascollaborative.com or search Emily Program and Veritas Collaborative on social media. Piecemeal is produced by Angie Mitchell and Nancy Linden with music by Dan Forkey. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening.